Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Richard Long and I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time. And we have a special treat for you today because we're joined by special guest Adam and Eva of the Burgundy and Gold Report. Welcome back, Adam. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Oh, no problem. But you know what? I think you barely qualify as a special guest now at this point because I think this is your third time back in a podcast, isn't it? It is. The trifecta. You got it, man. <laughs> well, no longer a special guest, just a guest now. I mean, pretty soon you're gonna, I'm going to put you on as a regular because you've been on so frequently in the, in the recent past. But, hey, you know, and I, we had talked about this um, pre-show, but uh, I was going to ask you about the Washington Nationals because I know that you're a huge Washington Redskins guy. But you're not a Nationals fan, and I know you're happy for the city, but you're a Yankees guy. You must be pretty upset then about how the playoffs turned out. Yeah, it was, it was a big letdown. My my father-in-law is a huge Yankees fan, so I really uh, I really wanted them to win it for him. But you know, I am happy for the for, for the town. You know, between the Capitals and them, they they need something because it's just been <laughs> dreary, dreary past couple decades since Dan Snyder took over this team. So I'm happy. Yep. With yep, and don't don't mention don't forget those Redskins really making those uh, guys in DC proud. So. Uh, there's that. Right. <laughs> We're going to get to in a bit. <laughs> and, of course, I didn't realize. I knew you said your wife was a red fan. I didn't realize it was your father-in-law. Now I get it. Now I get it. The most important thing is not that you're happy with sports, but that your father-in-law is very happy with sports. That I totally understand. All right. So we got a lot to cover today, including our top five power rankings. we got fantasy football sleepers for the rest of the season. And we got some thoughts on Dwayne Haskins now that he's a starter in Washington. So let's go ahead and get rolling. Let's get started with the top five power rankings. So, uh, Adam, why don't you go ahead and hit us up with your top five first, and then I'll give you my top five, and we're going to walk through them because I'm sure that we're not going to be exactly the same. This is a great week for a power, top five power rankings because of a lot of shakeup that, in my opinion, has happened over the last weekend. So go ahead. You fire away first. No, What's your top five? Yeah, no doubt. I definitely think I'd be surprised if we're anywhere close, and I'm definitely <laughs> far from what the national media that I saw today um, but I do have Saints as number one, um, you know, with Drew Brees making his return. And Michael Thomas, he's just playing out of his mind right now, 875 mm-hmm. yards and four touchdowns. You know, adding Kamara right now to me, they're the team to beat in the in the NFC. Uh, followed by them, I, I have the pass. Even though the Ravens beat them, uh, you know, I think you can't bet against Brady in, in, the, in that defense. I really like what they're doing. But I do have the Ravens as number three. Um, prior mm. to this week, I had them a lot farther down, but – the way that they played against New England, I was really impressed. That 37-20 win and just the way that Lamar Jackson handled that uh, New England defense, I was really impressed. Uh, yeah. The sack numbers are low for the Ravens defense, but what I was just looking at, just some stats and some, some tape on them, their pressures is what, is what gets them home. Their pressures is what's making teams like you know New England and other teams make a mistake. So. I really mm-hmm. think they're, they're going to be – to me, they're the team to watch in the AFC, although the Pats are doing you know good. I still think the Ravens could end up coming out of the e, um, AFC. Um, mm-hmm. I have number four. I have the 49ers. Um, but I'm not as high as a lot of people. For now, I do have the number four. I think that defense is ridiculous. I think they're really good. But I just don't think 
that they're going to have the staying power to continue how they're playing because they don't have that number one receiver. You know, Marcus Goodwin, he's just not that guy. So, you know, like I said, the defense is really going to carry them. But, you know, the deep between the defense and the running game, I don't know how long that's going to last. Um, well, what about George Kittle? They don't us. need the wide receiver, right? They got George Kittle. <laughs> he's yeah, essentially you know, he's their got a little, wide receiver. Well, they got a little scared with him as they was, you know, the other week. You know, he got shaken up a little bit. So you, you take him, like I said, if he can't stay healthy right now, you know, that's he makes Jimmy Garoppolo look good. So if he can't stay on the field, they have a big problem. So, like I said, I think their defense will keep him in it. They'll keep him in the playoffs. I just don't know how far they'll take him. Um, but I rounded out with Green Bay at number five. I really like what they. I, I want to put them higher, but for right now, I think they're number five. Uh, I really like what Aaron Rodgers is doing, and I especially like what um, Aaron Jones is doing at running back for them. I think he's he's one of the sleeper dual threats in the league right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I, I I agree with a lot of that stuff, but predictably, my top five looks very different from your top five, uh, which is interesting because I have the undefeated San Francisco 49ers at number one overall. I mean, they are the last undefeated team, so I give them some credit for that. Their offense is really starting to roll now under Jimmy G. I think they have, and I agree that Kittle is their primary receiving that threat. But, you know, at the end of the day, they got Coleman and Breida, and they just take turns just mashing on defenses so they get fresh legs throughout the game. Uh, you know, Coleman was shut down last week. Breida did great. Two weeks ago, of course, Coleman with a massive breakout game with the three touchdowns. And, of course, they still got Mostert back there. So, I mean, I think they have a lot of weapons and they can control the pace of the game. They can control um, the offenses on the field. Their defense is definitely as stout as ever. At number two, I have your, your number one. I have the New Orleans Saints at number two. I totally agree with everything you said about the Saints and Breeze coming back. But, you know, what I love about the Saints is they probably have the best depth of any team that's in the hunt right now because, quite frankly, Drew Breeze is there, you know, is there everything. Of course, there's Michael Thomas, and I agree. He is a target monster and, and just an unstoppable force. But – they took Breeze out. Teddy Bridgewater won five in a row. That's amazing to me. Right. And then what happens when Kamara goes out to get Latavius Murray? Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, I feel like they have so much depth that no matter what happens, they're going to find a way, and their defense is much improved. So I kind of like New Orleans Saints as number two. I got the Patriots down at three. Now, that's not a knock on the Patriots. I still think they're very good. I think they were exposed this week because, yeah. you know, that's supposed, to be an un, un, that's supposed to be an unstoppable defense. And, and I, I agree with everything you said about Lamar Jackson. I mean, he was fantastic. I mean, he really was a great dual threat. And I think that was something that the Patriots haven't had a chance, had an opportunity to really contest with. I mean, they had to worry about the fact that this guy can break 18-yard runs as well as put a, a ball on a dime to Mark Andrews 18 yards down the field, right. even in certain long situations. And they just didn't know they – couldn't, they couldn't adapt. I mean, they just couldn't adapt. And that was – very interesting to me, plus the very long drives in the second half where, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson just controlled the, the pace of the game, slowly made his way down, capped it off of a touchdown to Nick Boyle, ran in a touchdown at the end. I mean, it really demonstrated what could happen if the defense can't get offensively off the field to the Pats because that offense is not as dynamic as it used to be. I mean, uh, exactly. you know, Edelman coughed it up, and, you know, you got the Tom Brady interception. It's just they're not as dynamic as they used to be, and I think that they were exposed when their defense didn't step up. So I think there is some possibility there. But I still think three, still top-notch. And like you, I moved the Ravens all the way up to four. I know you have them at three behind the Pats. I have them right behind the Pats as well. I think we already talked about all that stuff, all the good stuff Ravens are doing. I didn't know right. that thing about the pressures. That is really interesting information because I always thought the Ravens – secondary is one of the weakest in the NFL, but they look fantastic 
uh, last week. Right. We couldn't figure out if that was a, a function of uh, Brady and Edelman just not getting connected or Brady and Dorsett not getting connected or if it, or Sanu, who actually had a pretty good game, or was it something else? But I, I didn't realize that. So that is that is interesting, interesting fact. And number five, I have the Seattle Seahawks. And I, it was a toss-up for me. But because the Packers were upset this weekend by the Chargers, who were really kind of right. flailing around before that, and, you know, and a de facto home game because the Packers were in San Diego, but there were more Packers fans by a mile in that stadium than there were Char- Chargers fans. And, and they couldn't pull through. I mean, they literally couldn't get over the 40-yard line of the Chargers until the end of the third quarter. So that tells right. me that, you know, the Chargers, they can shut them down. Anybody can really shut them down. On a, and if they have a bad day, things can be really, really bad. Uh, that's with Devontae Adams back. So I, I really was shocked by that. I'm not. A, I'm obviously. I hate the Packers being a Bears fan, but I respect Aaron Rodgers. I respect everything they do yeah. there. I just can't put them at five. I think that the that what we saw from Russell Wilson was just amazing. I mean, he just continues yeah. to prove what he can do, buying time in the backfield. It is amazing what he's able to do. Tyler Lockett is, is prime time. DK Metcalf has advanced so so quickly this year, and now they're adding Josh Gordon. The only concern I have is that defense doesn't seem to be able to stop much. So right. I'm a little bit wary about that, but you know, that, right. that was a toss up for me at number five. So let me ask you this question because we differ on the number five there. Se- Seahawks and Packers. Now Packers would have been my number six. Well, who would have been your yeah. number six? Would have been the, the Seahawks? Seattle. Or the, <laughs> Seattle all right. <laughs> I had, it was, it was, honestly, just like you said, the same, the same argument. I had them neck and neck with the Packers. The only reason I put the Packers over them, I'm just, what I've seen from Aaron Jones, I just think, you know, I like yeah. Carson for Seattle, but I really like what Aaron Jones is doing. And, again, maybe it's a little bit of a forecast ahead, but, like, it was a toss-up between those two. And, again, although they did have a down game against San Diego, their investment in the defense, and their, especially the pass rush, you know, as a Redskins fan team, what Preston Smith is doing out there, it's a heartbreaking because I really think what they've done on that defense after, you know, letting Clay Matthews go – I really think that, you know, they're going to have some up-and-down games, but they're going to be a team that's in it. And like you said, Seattle, they're up-and-down too. So, like I said, you can, right. it's 1A, 1B for me for those teams. Yeah, no, I, I think we came out pretty close. The major difference being I seem to have more faith in the 49ers than you do. Otherwise, the 5 yeah. is just a flip. I will give us a, a round of light applause here for our good work on getting those car rankings out. Nice job, Adam. <laughs> so let's move on <laughs> from that. Because I thought that was, you know, I mean, this is a great week for that. I mean, there were so many weird results over the weekend. So many, uh, there were the upsets, uh, the fact that the that the Patriots looked completely outplayed. I mean, a lot of things to think about there. I'm sure we're going to have a lot of movement going into next week as well. So let's go ahead and hit the bell on that topic. Let's move on to our next topic. We're going to talk about the Washington Redskins because we know that you're the expert when it comes to the Washington Redskins, Adam. And we want to talk about Dwayne Haskins getting his start this uh, this last week against Buffalo. I was actually surprised that they were going to start him against Buffalo at Buffalo. It seemed like a pretty daunting place to start your rookie quarterback. I thought they would have waited maybe another week or so, but he completed 15 to 22 attempts, 144 yards, uh, averaged 6.5 per pass. Um, he got sacked four times. It you know, wasn't great. QBR rating of 48.8. Uh, he's not a runner, and that showed he did have a couple. He had three attempts for 14 yards. You know, it's a mixed bag. I, I thought it was fine, but nothing that blew the doors off. What are your thoughts on Agreed. Dwayne Haskins' performance and what's going to yeah, happen into the future? 
Uh, honestly, he, he started based on injury because Case Keenan was still in um, concussion protocol. I don't think that Haskins would have got the start, and there's question right now if he's going to get the start for the rest of the year, which is insane considering they're 1-8. and eight, They really got nothing to play for. It's all about development. And if you're listening to what Callahan has been saying in the press conferences, he is not committing to Dwayne Haskins going forward. And although, you know, the stats you mentioned, nothing jumped out. You know, I did like that against a top five rated defense that he threw new interceptions and, you know, he uh-huh. took his hits on the chin. You know, he took, he took sacks he shouldn't have. But a lot of people are quick to blame him for some of those. But the protection breakdowns were horrendous. Uh, right. You know, the fact that we have Callahan as the interim coach, a lot of people, are, a lot of especially fans in D.C. are saying, you know, what's going on with this offensive line? Well, no Trent Williams is huge. Um, you know, mm-hmm. our right side really is lacking right now. And with, as far as Dwayne Haskins, I wrote on the article uh, three keys to success for getting the best out of him. I just don't feel that Jay Gruden wanted him, and I just don't feel that Callahan is invested whatsoever. He's, he's saying he's holding the seat, that he believes he's not going to be the coach, but I truly believe deep down that there is some kind of weird understanding between him and um, Allen that he has the potential to be the next Redskins coach. As crazy as that is that sounds, I think that's what's happening. So he's not invested in Dwayne Haskins at all. So as far as it goes, I'm not going to be surprised. We're in the bye week right now. Going to come up with the Jets after that. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Case Keenum is actually back, and you know we don't see Haskins again until there's an injury. To be honest with you. Right, right. Well, that's very interesting. I mean, it, it, in some ways, I like what you said there. That some of the takeaways: Buffalo being a top defense at home. He didn't throw an. Inter- this is the first uh, appearance of his this year that he did not throw an interception. Right. Uh, and and right. I, I said 48.8. Uh, 48.6, 48.8 QBR. That actually is his highest QBR to date. But you know he kind of managed the game. He really didn't uh, right. didn't really push that's, it. That's, that's fine. That's what he was asked to do. You know that's the thing. You know, in, in my article I wrote, you know, I pretty much I'm not surprised that they really don't have much confidence in that. You know, there is a lot of talk about his issues reading defenses, but. I just think Callahan's a dinosaur in an age of, you know, innovative college offenses. And, you know, what I wrote in my article, you know, if you saw what Buffalo did, they utilized the screen game. They screened the hell out of the Redskins. And I'm sitting there watching right. saying, this is what Dwayne Haskins can do. You know, between Campbell and McLaurin at Ohio State, this is what he did. You know, out of his 50 touchdowns, there's something like 23 touchdowns were off a screen. So it was a little frustrating to see them not doing that. And as you said, he's not known as a runner. But, you know, crazy enough, they employed a lot of RPO at uh, Ohio State. So I was really surprised that they're not really trying to custom the offense again. I think it's more about, again, you have another coach in Washington that's trying to fit his system into what they have instead of building around the player. And I don't know if we're going to see too much of a change that going forward. But I think, you know, I'm not a Dwayne Haskins homer. I had him rated as a late first round, more, more likely a second round, with a year to two years development. But I also didn't think that Pace Keenan was going to be quite this bad. So, in my opinion, this is a situation where time for him to get his lumps. It's time for him to learn on the job because he's going to learn nothing on the bench from bad quarterback play and a head coach that basically runs the ball to a fault. You know, you can run the ball without being so predictable. So I hope going forward, Dwayne Haskins is just going to get the chance to play. But one thing he showed at Ohio State is he's got an arm. Let him air it out. Right now you have Terry McLaurin, who's the only rookie. I believe he's the only rookie wide receiver on the PFF top 25 right now. 
Interesting. That's a guy that you can utilize. And you have Stephen Sims Jr. And you also have, you know, Slumpin, but Paul Richardson. So you have three guys, arguably, with 4 3, 4 4 speed that you can at least take some shots. But I, uh-huh. like I said, I feel like Callahan, there's this, there's this thought that they're close. They're close to nothing. So basically, right. <laughs> by keeping teams like the 49ers, Minnesota, even in this, you know, this last game with Buffalo, it seems like they're close. They're not just close. They're, you know, these three games have been the quickest. I think the quickest games of the season of any team. All three games right. finish under three hours because they're just running the ball to a fault. So I right. think running the ball is fine, but you have to you have to play to Dwayne Haskins' strength. And for us to see what he has going forward for the next coach, they have to let him air it out. They have to do something. But right now, like you said, he managed the game. I'm not happy, and I'm not disappointed. I'm really medium on what he did. But like you said, those four sacks he took, you have Keenum in the game. Keenum's going to get knocked out. Cole McCoy's going right. to get knocked out. They're going to fumble the ball. So what I took away from that was some toughness. But really, that's, that's about all I took away from that game, unfortunately. Well, let me ask you this question, because there's another rookie quarterback, obviously, and it's a little bit interesting to compare and contrast, and it's not a fair comparison. But Daniel Jones, obviously, in the New York Giants, you know, there was a lot of thought that uh, Dwayne Haskins would have gone to the Giants early. Instead, they went with right. Daniel Jones, which allowed uh, Haskins to fall to the Redskins. You know, they called him Danny Dimes before because he, uh, he started off just hitting guys in stride all over the field. He might be called Danny right. Dimes now. His contract might be worth only a couple dimes after this is all done. But yeah. what, what are your yeah. thoughts on Daniel Jones and, and how that worked out? I mean, are you any – I mean, I, I know you, you had uh, Dwayne Haskins listed at the end of the first and to the second. Did you have Daniel Jones behind him? I had Daniel – see, that's the thing. I had, I had Daniel Jones in, in the late second, early third round. I was just not a fan of his. I watched – you know, I think the fact that David Cutliffe was his coach um, at Duke, you know, the, the Peyton Manning, the Eli Manning connections there, I think they fell yeah. in love with yeah. that. But I think I think if the Giants passed on Daniel Jones, they wouldn't have selected Haskins. I think Haskins would have dropped all the way out of the first round personally. Again, it's not a knock on him. It's just, it's just about what the draft was about. That draft, you know, luckily the Redskins ended up getting their man in Montez Sweat by trading back in the first round. But at number mm-hmm. 15, that's who I wanted. I really, in the draft process, you know, a lot of people are down on him, but I, I still think Drew Locke is a guy, you know, out in Denver. I think that's a guy that I really like, but he's another guy that's going to need a year or two coming from a spread offense. But this right. just wasn't a really a good quarterback draft, and I think Eli Manning has the benefit of having someone <clears throat> like um, the, the, the running back that they have in New York escape my mind right now. I don't know why. Um, yeah, Barkley, you know, by having someone like him, that, that's going to help out tremendously. But the term overrated, that's exactly what Daniel Jones is. I think last I checked, it was like, I think he was leading the NFL in turnovers, like seven fumbles, yep. eight interceptions, yep. or whatever it was. Tied and the most overrated quarterback with, with uh, Gardner Minshew, who's now out of a job, from what I understand. Yeah. I mean, he's a backup. Yeah. He's going to be a backup. I heard Nick Foles is taking his place after the bye. Yeah. I think Daniel Jones right now is, the, is probably the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. And, you know, the fact that he can move with his legs, that, that's his benefit. If, if, if we had Haskins, somebody that would be a true run threat, I, I definitely have a little more confidence this year. I think, I think he could be really good if we get the right coach in here. Like I've been saying to a lot of people, I really look at the Kansas City offense as something to build. And with Eric Bieniemy, that would be a great choice to come to Washington. I think Eric Bieniemy with uh, Dwayne Haskins would be a really good fit. But the uh-huh. way it is right now, I, you know, it's it's a lose situ- it's a lose lose situation for pretty much any real prospect to come to DC right now. But Daniel Jones, nah, I'm not I'm not sold on him at all. I'm actually <laughs> happy he's with the Giants because 
I think once this Redskins defense finally fills out next year with the top five pick, you know, a lot of people, you know, including me, are looking at Chase Young. If somehow you can have Montez Sweat and Chase Young, I think yep. Daniel Jones will be in trouble. So, you know, I'm, yep. I'm happy yep. in this division, to be honest with you. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how long they stick it out with it. I mean, I think they're doing the right thing, getting back there and getting get them a lot of looks because the Giants are going nowhere. But, man, uh, I don't know. I mean, they're going to be committed to him. They're going to they're going to be committed to him for right. quite some time. They might pull a Mariota right. and just kind of hang on to him for four years and just go down the drain yeah. slowly uh, and, and painfully. That's crazy. Who knows? Yeah. yeah, so let me ask you this uh, real quickly. Trent Williams, a lot of stuff coming out about him. What are your thoughts on that? Just more, just more drama with Bruce Allen. You know, this, as anyone Redskins fan can attest, you know, as long as we have him, sadly, we can build, we can get number one prospects. We could even, you know, get great coaches in here. But he's a micromanager, and he, mm-hmm. you know, down to when we had Brian Lefamina last year running the, you know, the ticket sales department. He gets in everyone's way. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, until he's either reassigned or fired, which I don't think he's going to get fired because there's a lot of thought that. You know, he's heavily involved with the new stadium deal moving to D.C. As mm-hmm. long as he's involved, unfortunately, we're going to be hamstrung the way we work because if you believe anything that came out, um, they said that, you know, we have, in my opinion, one of the best college scouts in Kyle Smith. And, you know, the father, his father was actually in San Diego for decades. I really think he's one of the most underrated minds in the sport right now. He's, he's one of my choices for GM along with Lewis Riddick. Um, but right now, if we keep, if, as long as we have Allen here, you know, not much is going to happen. But um, the Trent, as far as the Trent Williams situation goes, it's a mess. They had an opportunity to trade in Cleveland. You know, teams, including New England and Cleveland, came there. The word was they were willing to give up a first early in the year. And Allen mm-hmm. wanted, you know, makes it personal, just like he did with Kirk Cousins. They make it really personal and, you know, they let that go by the wayside. So when it came to draft day, the word was the best that they were going to get was a second. So now Allen believes that in the offseason, he's going to be able to get some kind of, you know, treasure load for Trent Williams. I just think at the end, they're going to be lucky to get a second, third round pick because yeah. they're going to have to move him because it's a situation that went from ugly to uglier when the whole oh, topic of it, that it was cancerous that came out because the question is who's hiding what? Trent Williams, yep. there was an investigation in the NFLPA, and now he's telling them he doesn't want to pursue it. Right. Who, who, you know, what, what's going on now? You know, we have to, I'm going to take the manager's word because I don't think he's just going to throw cancer out there and then it's a lie. Right. I just think yep. he's sick of the drama. I think he's got really Let's bad management and agents. Yep. And, you know, it's a bad situation. Yep, I totally agree. It is a shame because um, he is one of the best players in the league and uh, for him sure. to sit out is a loss not only for the Redskins, but for football fans. I think it just makes for, sure. for a much more competitive atmosphere, so it's too bad. But I guess we'll see him, see where he ends up next year. That'll be interesting to see. Yeah. All right. Well, terrific uh, rundown there. Always great information about the Washington Redskins. Let's go ahead and ring the bell on that and move on to our last topic of the day. We're going to be talking about fantasy football sleepers because we are more than halfway over the season now, but there are plenty of injuries floating around. So I'm sure lots of people are thinking about who should I pick up, who should I target in trades, what kind of guys are going to break out in the end of the season that might not have had their breakout yet. So uh, let's start with you, Adam. Who do you have on your list of fantasy football sleepers going into the end of the year? As far as sleepers go right now, a little bit of a surprise is, you know, New Orleans Tedkin Jr. Because like we Mm -hmm. said about how Michael Thomas has been dominating, I just feel that teams are going to – they're going to just – they're going to be willing to sell out and they're going to be shifting coverage to his 
uh, this side of the field. So someone on that New Orleans offense is going to benefit. And I said, you know, my thought is why not Ted Ginn Jr.? He's, he's been, you know, a steadily productive receiver. He's been in the league forever now. So right uh-huh. now, to me, he's one of the ones that I, that I have my eye on. Um, so I have him ranked at the top right now of all my fantasy sleepers. Um, and we wow. mentioned Aaron Jones. I don't know how much of a sleeper Aaron Jones is, but I really like him. And, uh, you know, rounding on my list, Seattle's, you know, Tyler Lockett and Oakland tight end Darren Waller. Those are the those sure. four guys right there. I feel like on the second half of the season are really going to be putting up Pro Bowl numbers. So let me ask you about Darren Waller because he – I uh, agree. I'm glad – I'm happy to see the success that he's had so far this year. But this last right. week, he only had two targets, which I thought was very odd. Uh, I don't know what me was too. going on there. But – um. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think this is something that we need to be concerned about, or are you still like time to buy a low because he had a bad performance? It's just that's that's just the John Gruden offense. It's, you talk about you know mentioned Deion Jones before about being overhyped. To me, John Gruden is probably one of the most overhyped coaches in NFL history. You know mm-hmm. because his offenses are just never consistent. And exactly, you have Darren Waller six 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 target. That's somebody you need to go to. He's got five hundred forty three yards, three touchdowns right now. But exactly, I don't know if it's just an issue with Carr, you know, making the reads. Is, is he just not a, one of the top looks? But nobody on that Oakland offense, to me, is head and shoulders above Darren Waller. He should be right. their version of Kittle. He should be their number one option, in my opinion. So you're right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little surprising. But I'm, I'm not concerned. I think if he can stay healthy, I think that, like I said, he's got 543 yards now. I think we could definitely see him eclipse that century mark for sure. So what's interesting to me about that, so I agree with all that, and I, I love Darren Waller, and I think he is a great target. He is actually 96% owned, but I think this is a great opportunity to trade for him uh, after the, he had the low target uh, share in his last game. But the interesting kind of development there is that Tyrell Williams also had a low target share, but Hunter Renfro has had back-to-back yeah. good weeks. And, of course, we all know Hunter Renfro because he spent 60,000 years in <laughs> in college, uh, yeah, at least right. that way. Um, but, you know, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, Hunter Renfro only owned in 3% of leagues, um, and he had two two great performances. Obviously, one of them the in week eight was a broken was broken coverage on a, on a curl route in which he managed to go 60 yards on a touchdown. But, you know, he was 7 of 6. I mean, sorry, 6 of 7 and 54 in a touchdown last weekend, uh, led in targets. You think this is going to keep up or just happen to be, you know, the, the Detroit Lions and just happen to be picking picking on that slot receiver? Yeah, I think it's a bit of picking on him. You know, I really like what he did to Clemson. He's just one of those true, you know, come to work, you know, lunch yeah. sale kind of guys. That's gonna, you know, he's gonna <laughs> definitely. But he's the kind of guy that's gonna have one of those games that he's gonna disappear for three weeks, depending on, uh, you know, the 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 coverage matchup. So he would be somebody I would not jump on. Um, but I do like what he's doing. And the thing is, like I said, that there's no true number one targets in my opinion in Oakland right now. So he could benefit, but he's not somebody that I would, uh, you know, drool all over. Like I said, Darren Waller, he, to me, he's just, I've just been following him for a while. Ever since I think he's in Baltimore and, you know, his mm-hmm. whole issue with you know, substance abuse and his basketball background. I'm just yep. a huge fan of these tight ends that, that come from basketball yep. backgrounds. And I think sure. he's really shown that he can be, you know, he, I, I believe he just got an extension too, if I'm not, if yep. I'm not mistaken. And I think that he's somebody that I've got my own as far as Hunter Repno. Yeah, I, I like him. I, I like him. But again, it's all, like you said, it's all about matchups. 
Yeah, maybe better in PPR than in standard leagues and in deeper leagues. So let me ask you this. I'm going to, I'm going to name off a couple guys that I really like, deeper deeper targets that I think might be sleepers coming in, uh, coming into the end of the year. You let me know if any of these things, any of these guys are guys that are on your list as well. Um, Jalen Samuels, running back at the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, James Conner ha- having an injury, maybe a multi-week injury. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but the fact of the matter, mm-hmm. he is very much involved in both the running and receiving game. I'm most excited about the fact that he's involved in the receiving game. Last week, although not a great performance, 13 receptions for 73 right. yards without James Conner. So that that's I like a lot, and uh, he could have mm-hmm. a top 20 value, I think, into the end of the year. Yeah. Evan Singletary is starting to break out. I think he's also yeah. getting plenty of touches out there. 20 uh, carries, 95 yards, and a touchdown in the last game starting to break out. Also involved in the receiving right. game. He had three receptions in the last game, and then before that, four receptions. David Montgomery, not efficient, but getting tons of run. It looks like right. that uh, they're, they're looking at running the ball as much as possible because, uh, unfortunately, uh, Trubisky can't throw the ball. So that uh, right. could be a problem. But, hey, he's got, he's got four touchdowns in his last four games. So some, right. good, some goodness there. Devontae Parker, no Preston Williams. It's very unfortunate. I really love Preston Williams, what he did as an undrafted rookie this year. ACL tear on IR today. Devontae Parker, though, starting to gobble up targets. He had 10 targets uh, three weeks ago, eight yet last week, uh, two weeks ago, six last week. He has uh, four touchdowns in the last five, and now with no Preston Williams, I think he's going to get plenty of targets. And lastly, Zach Pascal, because uh, T.Y. Hilton injured, don't know where he is right now. Who knows he's going to come back. Brian Hoyer out there seems to like him. Six targets last week, five of six, 76 yards and a touchdown. He's their wide receiver one, and he can be – he's really cheap. He's hes probably out in some waivers. Any of those guys right. interest you as possible sleepers into the end of the year? Samuels, I really like coming out of college. I like i like what he can do, honestly. Um, I thought we'd see a little more production early on, but I think he's just one of those, you know, a bit of a late bloomer, and I think he's someone that's going to really, you know, explode now as long as he keeps getting those targets. So out of all the ones that you named, Montgomery probably – like you said, I understand where he was, but I high up from the bottom of what you said. But Samuels, I like him probably out of the everyone you named. I like him the most. I just like his ability as a dual threat. Mm-hmm. Yep, I totally agree. I love the fact that he can he operates on both sides. So behind or even uh, or leading, he's going to be the guy. And of course, Benny Snell right. still out, and James Conner may be out. There's really nobody else except for uh, right. Tremont Edwards, who is actually a tight end. So right. there you go. Right. All right, terrific segment. Let's blow the air horn on the entire podcast. It always goes so fast. That was terrific. Fast. That was terrific. Thank you so much, Adam, for joining us again. We always love having you on the show. Uh, like I said, you're basically a regular now, so get ready. You're going to be on a lot more shows coming up, I guess. No let doubt, man. <laughs> let me ask you this. For the Burgundy and Gold, you got anything else that you're doing right now you want to promo? Oh, yeah. I've, you know, unfortunately, with the way the season's going, you know, usually in early December, I start doing my prospect evaluation. Um, mm-hmm. I specialize in small pros, uh, small school prospects and, you know, late mid-round gems. Uh, so right now I'm working on a couple right now. Um, so that's what's going to be coming out. Uh, you know, you can find me at burgundyandgoldreport.wordpress.com and follow me at the B&G Report on Twitter. Um, I actually have this a tight end, this kid out of Portland that's coming out. I'll just tease that a little bit. Portland State, um, you know, a little bit of a dual threat kind of tight end uh, under the radar. So I, I do like what I'm seeing, but I really go all in when we start to get mid-December because you start to get some of the underclassmen declare. 
But this is going to be a really impressive draft from top to bottom. So that's what's probably going to be seen from now. Because as far as the Redskins go, unfortunately, <laughs> I'm not a big guy about writing about Trent Williams. You know, I think I've pretty much exhausted what I've got yeah. on Haskins right now. So it's going to be shifting focus mainly to uh, draft prospect evaluations at this point. So just stay tuned for that. Look into the future. I love it. Being a Bears fan, I know exactly how that feels. I'm looking to the future as well because this is basically the – I think we've hit rock bottom. So, anyway, yeah. this is uh, always great, terrific, and uh, we really appreciate it, Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. And for, for all of you who tuned in today, uh, thank you once again for wasting time with us. And until next time, enjoy your NFL week. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.